welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey, welcome to Church at the Well. Uh, If you're new here or uh, just kind of joining us or just as a reminder, we have started a series together in September to get us... um, undisoriented. I know that's not a word, but I was saying, hey, at the end of the summer, sometimes we feel a little bit lost, a little bit turned around, rhythms, routines, schedules, everything change and are changing now again. And so we need to get directions, as we're saying, back to, or maybe for the first time, great community with God and with the people in our lives, with each other in the faith community and the people we interact with every day. In some sense, uh, that's probably why you're at church, (laughs) whether this is a familiar, regular thing for you, or this is totally new, first time or first time in a long time, um, to get back to, or for the first time, connected with God and with each other. And the way we're describing these directions go like this, up, side, down, party. The upside down party, up, side, down, party. That's the rhythm or the routine or the orientation that we're facing to try to get back to great community. So um, a couple weeks ago, we started with up. The beginning point is our worship life with God. Uh, And if you're wondering what is worship even about, that's a great place to start. Start there. Last week, we talked about the um, integral role of side, the relationships we have with each other in the faith community and how God is using our relationships to make us more into the people we long to be, that that's actually the purpose. That's why we're together. That's why this worship thing is not a private experience. It's personal, but it's also communal. Next week is, you're going to love, it's party week. (laughs) And in fact, at each of our three sites after our service, we're going to have a party together. We're going to have a meal, a family meal. Um, So you're going to love that. It's party week. This week, you're going to (laughs) hate. I'm just going to say that right up front. This week, as I start to talk, you will probably want to leave. You'll probably want to check out. Uh, Even if you don't actually leave, you'll want to mentally check out. Or maybe if you're single, you'll just spend more time trying to see if that person you were hoping to bump into at church is actually here today, which is not a bad reason to come to church at all. No judgment. But there's lots of reasons why you're going to want to check out of it today. Um, and and here, here's what I mean by that. And, and no judgment, I'm being serious because I, I kind of feel this as well. Here's what I mean by that. We are today talking about the direction called down, which is to say the, 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 to begin to humbly serve other people, to get down underneath the burdens of others, to lift them up. And here's why you're not going to want to listen today. On one level, this idea of serving, or you might you know, think of it as giving back or um, being charitable, or if you're in grade three, sharing and caring, you know, like the rhymes or whatever, you think, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good thing to do. And, and here's why, because when we think about, oh, should I do this? We, we actually have three questions that we answer that are the three reasons why we probably won't want to listen to this today. We would say, if we're going to give or serve an opportunity to help someone else is, first of all, do I feel like I want to? And, and that is like, uh, is my heart moved? Do I have a feeling of, oh yeah, I want to do this, or oh yeah, I'm interested in this, or this, this moves me. I feel moved. I want to. I feel like I want to. Secondly, we ask, um, do I have extra to give away? 
hey, like, do I have surplus or extra money or extra time or extra capacity or extra emotional energy and availability? Can I do this? Yeah, do I have extra? Sure, yeah. If I, I can do that, yeah, then I'll, I'll say yes, I, I will. And thirdly, do I, do, will I, can I make a difference? Will what I do matter? Can I actually do something about this? Can I make a difference? If we get a check mark to all three of those boxes, right? Do I feel like I want to? Do I have extra to give? And do I feel like it'll make a difference? Then we will give, then we will serve. Then we will probably do something to help another person. <laughs> but let's be honest, right now, the answer to those three questions, those are the three reasons why we're not gonna wanna hear this today. And if I'm honest with you, I'll just tell you, I don't think I'm the only one. In fact, I know I'm not the only one because I've had conversations with some of you, but I, I'm in this boat. Do I feel like I want to? I don't feel moved right now. You know what I feel a lot of right now? I feel tired. And I, I don't even know why. In a sense, like I'm getting sleep. I'm not staying up crazy late. I had some good rest in the summer and vacation or whatever. But why do I physically feel under capacity? I feel tired. I feel worried and stressed at times at things that should not worry or stress me out. Last week, there was a couple things that happened or I had to deal with that were not big things at all, but they were in my head. I lost sleep one night over it. And I was like, what? Why am I so worried and stressed? I feel frustrated. I notice sometimes a frustration with other people or an anger coming out, if I'm, if I'm honest, often on the road uh, when I'm driving and something comes out. I'm like, What's that person doing? And then I have to just get up beside them to look at my wife's like, why do you have to look in the car of the person? Because I just want to know what a bad driver looks like. <laughs> okay, full confession, right? It's wrong, but I see it coming out of me and I'm like, what is going on? I don't feel right now warm hearted. And it's like, you know, if I ask, ask me the question, do I feel like I want to? No. What about the second question? Do I feel like I have extra? Man, I don't know if anyone feels like they have extra or perhaps do I even have enough? Never mind extra. I don't know if I have enough for what I need. Whether that's all of the news we hear about rising inflation and interest rates and how no one's ever going to be able to buy a house again and all of the, the financial crisis, the unemployment rate going up and all of that, like there's the sense, the pressure, the stress financially, but not just do I have enough money, do I have extra or do I have enough? Time, capacity, emotional, relational, energy. Do I feel like I have extra? I don't know about you. I don't feel like I have extra tons of extra. And sometimes I feel like I don't think I have enough. So do I feel like I have extra enough? No. Do I want to? No. Do I feel like I have extra? No. And can I make a difference? I don't know. The needs seem so enormous. I don't really know if what I can do can make a difference. The number of people in our world, in our country, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and in our spheres of life, close friends, family, whatever, who are struggling with mental health, who are feeling the stress and anxiety or just the, the, the emptiness, spiritual, emotional, relational emptiness, it seems everywhere. The, the huge um, needs of people here and around the world coming out of two years of a pandemic, not just psychologically, emotionally, but physically, those with food insecurity in our own towns and cities and country, and of course, in the second and third world. 
Next Friday is the National Truth and Reconciliation Day, the second annual one in Canada, addressing the deep, deep hurts and pains that our country has caused to indigenous communities for centuries. The needs are enormous. It's not finished. It's not going away. It seems so big. Do I feel like I can make a difference? Do I feel like what I could do matters? Honestly, sometimes I wonder. So because of those three questions that I'm saying, no, 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 oftentimes what we're left with, in a, in a, you, you're not going to want to hear a message like, hey, we should serve because what we're going to end up feeling is guilty, frustrated, or perhaps just a hard heart because we have to put a wall between ourselves and the needs because I can't do anything about it. I can't feel, I don't have the capacity. I don't feel like it. So my heart ends up getting hard. Now, hear me no judgment. <laughs> in fact, I'm explaining to you a little bit of where I'm at so you know I feel the same. I'm in the same boat as you. And I hope and pray that nothing I say in the next few minutes uh, makes you feel guilty or frustrated or contributes to a hard heart. In fact, beautifully, thankfully, we have Jesus <laughs> because Jesus doesn't ask us those three questions when it comes to service. Jesus asks us two entirely different questions that give us a different perspective, an unexpected one to lead us to this place of heading down, to get down underneath the burdens of those who need help. Now to do that, we're gonna actually look in on um, a story in one of the biographies um, of Jesus, the Gospel of Mark. And before you hear this story, I wanna set up a little bit of the context for you. Jesus has begun sort of uh, doing his ministry of teaching and healing and casting out demons and ministering to people in need. Um, and he's called 12 people to his inner circle. They were called his disciples. They were gonna follow him and he was gonna be their rabbi. And the point of them following him was to not just uh, learn from his teaching, but to catch his way of life, to watch him, to listen to him, to ask him questions, to see what he did, and to become like him, in a sense. And then what he does is he actually starts to send them out in pairs after he, they have spent time with him. They go out in pairs to do exactly what he had been doing, to teach about God's kingdom and God's ways, and the, the kingdom of God is just basically the world according to God, how God sees the world, how we live with God in this world to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And so we see he sends them out, these 12 inner circle, in pairs. And they're gone for a period of time, um, probably several weeks because they went on foot into all different towns. They're gone for a period of time and they come back and they're really excited to share with him what happened, but they're also really tired because they have been serving. <laughs> They've been heading down for several weeks, maybe months. And we pick up the story as they return to spend some time with him. So now I want you to listen to this uh, scripture, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit together. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, 
he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So Jesus' 12 disciples had been out serving for several weeks, teaching, healing, casting out demons, they, they setting people free. And they come back and they're excited to tell Jesus what happened. But the passage here tells us that they, they are obviously tired and need rest. The thing is, as they return, all they find is more need. <laughs> There's like every bit of good deed or teaching or whatever people, the word starts to spread. And so there are crowds and crowds of people following them and Jesus wherever they go. <clears throat> and um, so Jesus says some beautiful words to them, words that they must have been like, oh yes. He looks at them and he says, hey, let's get away together, just us, so you can get some rest and probably eat because it says they were so busy, they didn't even have time to eat. That's a clue, actually. There's an important feature in this part of the passage. And so Jesus says, yeah, let's get away together, presumably to eat and to get some rest. So they're like, yes. So they get in this boat and they go to a remote place, try to go where nobody else will be, remote places, not near any towns or villages. And they arrive on the shores and what they find is thousands of people. We know from the account that there were, there were 5,000 men at least, and that would have meant many other women and children. So several thousand people there. And their hearts, when they would have seen all of these people who were demanding stuff from them, who needed stuff from them, uh, would have probably sank. <laughs> in that moment, <laughs> in that opportunity to serve, if the disciples were asked this question, do I feel like I want to? <laughs> we can relate. And they would probably go, no. No, I do not want to. My heart is not moved here. I've just been doing that for several weeks. We knew we needed time away. Jesus said, oh yeah, you guys look like you need some time away. Let's get it some time away to rest and recharge and eat. And they arrive in this remote place and there's thousands of people. And are they feeling like they want to serve? No. No. Now I did, I don't just want to read this passage together, friends, um, as we kind of can relate in some senses to where the disciples are at, or we're asking these questions of ourselves. I wanna actually give you a moment to express your own feelings to Jesus 
about where you are at in this moment. Maybe some of you are very aware, as I said earlier, what, what you do feel. Some of us maybe have not stopped to ask. We, maybe it's not something we do very often. But to actually locate our feelings, to name them with Jesus, to simply tell him how we feel. And it just may be a question, you know, um, Jesus, right now I'm feeling this and this because of this. Jesus, right now I'm feeling this and this because of this. So what I want you to do is just take a moment, and if this doesn't weird you out, just follow me in this. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to just slow down your breathing. You're becoming aware (laughs) that you are a physical being and an emotional being and a mental being, a rational being and a spiritual being. And I want you to hear Jesus saying to you, uh, you look like you need some rest. Which is just an invitation for you to be honest with him about what you feel. And so maybe just in your mind, in your heart, in your head, or if you want to journal, if you have a book with you or on your phone or something, say, Jesus, if I'm honest, I'm feeling this and this right now because of this. Just take a minute and do that. Perhaps we can relate to the disciples if they had that feeling and seeing the crowds going, I don't, I don't feel moved right now. But Mark actually tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, it said he had compassion on them. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He was moved. And that word compassion means, it's, it could read as co-passion, as in, to suffer along with or to feel another person's pain as if it was your own pain. That's, that's the heart being moved. <laughs> and so Mark says, yeah, when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them. And as a result, he spends the entire day with them. He's teaching them. Thousands of people, probably you can imagine him talking for a while, walking around amongst these thousands of people, asking them what their needs were, healing them. Like he's spending the day with them. And the disciples who were already done when this started said it's late in the day and they know that they're like, okay, Jesus, wrap it up. And it says they come to him and say, okay, Jesus, like land the plane, you know, give the announcements, benediction, ask him to like, subscribe, tell him where you're going to be next week and they can see you there. Like just let's get this over with. And, and, but the way they do it is very sort of cagey and uh, very clever. They're like, Jesus, these people must be really hungry. <laughs> uh, they haven't eaten all day, remember? Uh, and we know they weren't really worried about the people because they said, send them away. There's a remote place. There's a remote place. There's nowhere to find food. Send them somewhere else to get food because it's getting late. Translation, we are hungry. 
Remember, we didn't have time to eat. This whole thing started with you saying, you guys are tired. Let's get away and get some rest. Can you please get rid of these people? Because we are hungry. We are tired. We need something to eat. <laughs> oh, and Jesus says, hey, that's a great idea. Speaking of food, why don't you give them something to eat? Which would have been a very frustrating moment for them. Why don't you give them something to eat? In fact, it was an absurd statement or question or ask for two reasons. Um, one is they didn't have any food. Like they, they sort of go like, well, first of all, they go, well, they do some quick math. This would take half a year's wages to feed. Like that's not possible. What you're asking is not possible. We do not have enough. Like nobody here, half, can anyone live with half their income? Anyone if we just took away half your income? Are you good for the year? Like this is half a year's wages to feed all these thousands of people. That's not possible. And the other thing they didn't say, but they probably didn't need to say was, and Jesus, we don't have any wages because remember you said, follow me. And we left our wages to follow you. None of us have wages, Jesus. You know that. So this is an absurd statement that we would somehow feed them. Not only do they not feel moved to help and serve, do they have extra? Uh, no. In fact, we don't even have enough. Later on, we find out that all they did have was five loaves of bread and two fish for thousands of people. And so clearly they don't have extra. They don't have enough. This is an absurd statement. So let's live this through again. Let's make this real in our own lives as many of you perhaps are, are disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And you see the needs around you and maybe even hear Jesus inviting you to do something about it. Let's take a moment and just to, uh, to express honestly or admit your needs to Jesus where you feel like you don't have extra, where things are really tight or perhaps where you feel like I don't even have enough for what I need Jesus. That could be money, it could be time, it could be capacity, energy, like what you feel in your body. It could be just mental, emotional, relational capacity that you don't feel like you have. Or maybe even spiritually, you feel like your, your lack of, of connection with God. Jesus, I'm in a deficit position. I feel disconnected from you. I don't even know how to help other people. There's a lack, there's a deficit in my life. Things are tight. Or if you wanna use the banking analogy, I feel like I'm in an overdraft situation. Just take a moment again, quietly in your mind and heart or in a journal or with the phone, just express your need. And maybe it sounds like Jesus, I don't have enough or extra blank, whatever that is, or Jesus, this blank person, situation, work, whatever, is demanding X and I don't have it. Just take a moment, be honest with Jesus, and just express uh, your need, your, your lack, your deficit to him.
you know, Jesus' disciples in this situation, clearly to the first question, do I feel like I want to? No. Do I feel like I have extra to give? No, not even close. And really the third question, um, actually in the other gospel accounts of the story, they actually answer it directly, but here it's implied, can I make a difference? And they say, well, Jesus, when Jesus says, well, you know, what do you have? Because they say, well, take a half a year's wages. Okay, fine, what do you have? Well, we have five loaves and two fish. And the other accounts, it says, but what are those for so many? Jesus, we have thousands of people here and we can count the bread we have on one hand. So can we do anything? Like, okay, we have something, but it's nothing. (laughs) And probably they were thinking, we were trying to do the math on how five and two were gonna divide by 13. Um, We were maybe hoping, well, Jesus maybe doesn't need to eat, so just needs to divide by 12 because somehow he doesn't seem to be hungry. Uh, They were thinking math that way. They were not thinking, oh yeah, how are five and two gonna divide by several thousand? Well, they don't. So to the third question, can what I have make a difference anyway? A resounding no. End of story. This is a dead end. And look, we can feel it, right? We can relate. We can understand what they would have felt and we can relate in our own situations. Yeah, it'd be nice to be able to help, be nice to be able to serve, but do I feel like I want to? Maybe some of us say, well, not right now, if I'm honest. Do I feel like I have extra or even enough? Many of us might say, no. Do I feel like I can make a difference? It seems overwhelming. I'm not really sure. It's a dead end then, right? If we can't say yes to those, we can't serve. (laughs) But Jesus isn't interested in those three questions. Those actually aren't the three questions Jesus asks. Jesus asks his disciples then and us now two very different questions. What is in your hands? And will you put it in my hands? What is in your hands? And will you put it in my hands? They said, hey, what we have isn't enough. He just said, well, what do you have? And will you put it in my hands? He says, give it to me. And if you read the story, you know, they they give it to him. He takes it in his hands. He looks up to heaven and thanks God for the very small thing against this huge need. And he breaks the bread. And then this must have felt like a slap in the face. He breaks the bread, gives it back to them and says, now you give it away. They're like, oh, okay, we're definitely not getting any. Go give it away. And of course, the miracle happens. They give it away and they give more away, and they give more away, and they give more away. And thousands and thousands of people, it says, ate and were satisfied. It's an incredible miracle. (laughs) But do you notice the last line of the section we read? When they collected all the baskets, lots of numbers in this, there's five, and there's seven, and there's 5,000, and they're handing it out. But when they collect the extra at the end, how many baskets are left? 12. Oh, wait, how many disciples were there again? Oh, yeah, 12. Yes, the miracle of the thousands, but there's another miracle going on in here. Here they had very little to begin with. It wasn't even going to be close to enough for them. They are tired and hungry, and they put it in Jesus' hands, and he breaks it and gives it away. And in the end, they have more than they could even ask or imagine or know what to do with each of them. 12 baskets full. 
Did Jesus know they weren't feeling it? I'm sure he did. Did he know that they didn't have enough between them? I'm sure he did. Did they know that the little, did he know that the little they had wasn't going to be enough for the thousands of people? I'm sure. But he didn't ask them those questions. He said, what do you have? And will you put it in my hands? What's my point? Is my point that, hey, don't worry. If you give Jesus a little bit of money, even if it feels tight, he's going to give it back to you and you'll end up with more. If you give Jesus a little bit of time, somehow he's going to do this miracle and multiply your time and you find you have more. If you give Jesus the last bit of energy you have left, that you're going to find, oh, you actually wake up more refreshed, stronger, more energy, healthier, healed. Or you feel like you don't have any emotional or relational mental capacity. You give it away. You know what? Someone's going to come along who's going to actually uh, build it up for you. I mean, sometimes that happens. But that's not my main point. Hey, just give a little. Don't worry, Jesus will always give it back to you. And I don't even think that's the main point of this. See, we ask the three questions all the time. Do I feel like I can? Do I have extra to give? And will this make a difference? But Jesus is always asking you and I the other two questions. What do you have? And will you put it in my hands? In a sense, friends, (laughs) and I think this is where this becomes so important. Where does the true miracle happen? Yes, we can relate to the disciples. And those are questions we think through and Jesus is asking us two different questions as his disciples, as his followers. But I think maybe even more profound is to realize that who we are in the story is actually the bread. We are the bread. (laughs) We put our lives, we give ourselves to Jesus. (laughs) He breaks us. He breaks our hearts. (laughs) We begin to feel things we never felt before. He gives us away. He asks us to trust us in his hands. And then he multiplies. He does a miracle in us. And yes, that may have some financial blessing associated with it or physical blessing or somehow return. Maybe it does. But the point is the miracle is actually what happens to us as people that our hearts get bigger. We are multiplied as people. We grow as people. As we take who we are, we put our lives in Jesus' hands. We let him break us. The reason we kind of know that we are the bread is because Jesus himself actually said, I am the bread. (laughs) Remember the last meal he had, the last supper with his disciples before he died. He took bread and broke it and gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. And then he says to all his followers, if anyone would follow me, you would do it as well. You will give your life away. To be broken and given away and let Jesus do a miracle in us. Well, that's big. (laughs) It's a big risk, right? To give ourselves, to take what we have, the thinness, the smallness, the weakness that we often feel, and to trust our lives in Jesus' hands. I think it begins with... (laughs) taking a step, something small, but something real and practical. And there were just a few things as I was praying and writing that came to mind. Maybe there's other stuff that's already come to mind for you, but let me put a few in front of you that maybe would be steps of taking some of what you have and putting it in his hands. Here's a few ideas. For some of you, it's just joining a home group. 
so you can be part of the upside down party rhythm that this is what our home groups do. We have up nights, we have side nights, we have down nights where we learn to serve together. And so for some of you, it's like, I don't even know where to start. Join a home group. This is part of what we do. Others of you who are in a home group or at a particular site, you may want to say, I'm going to take charge of the down night in my home group. I want to do this. Some of you are like, you have a heart for this. You have gifts in this area. You're wondering why everyone else isn't jumping at the opportunity for this. You want to do this. You've been thinking this whole time. What are you talking about? I want to. Well, that may be a clue to you to say, yeah, I need to do this. I need to do this for my group or or I haven't joined a group, but I'm going to jump in and say, hey, can you give me that night? Even if you're new to do that. For some of you, hey, Next Friday, as I said, is our second annual National Truth and Reconciliation Day. And for those of you uh, students or work or whatever, wear an orange shirt. It's a sign. You may say, oh, it's just a shirt. What's that going to do? Don't worry about whether you can make a difference. We take what we have, what we can do, and do it. Begin to serve and be involved and to move towards and say, Jesus, yeah, break my heart for this. Others of you, we have a Zoom training session for anyone who wants to work with kids at the well. Maybe you're like, well, I didn't want to work with kids at the well. Well, that's not the question Jesus is asking you whether you want to. The question you ask is, could you? Do you have time? And if you're listening to this message on a Sunday, I know you have time because you're actually at church. So you could do this. You could be a part. Maybe you're not sure, but just come to the training Saturday, October 1st to say, what would it look like for me to give a little bit of myself to a group of people? Quite frankly, we have so many kids at our church. They've been pretty banged up through the pandemic, all the online school stuff and not having a lot of the normal activities they have. And their kids, they're resilient. They look okay, but many of them are not okay. And they need the, they, they get the opportunity to be taught and to be loved and be cared for in this place every week as we gather. And so that could be something you could do. Or lastly, you may want to learn more about the work that actually all three of our sites are doing in different ways <coughs> with vulnerable and exploited women in our community, some, some of whom are actually um, caught in human trafficking. And so that's something we've been fighting for a while, certainly in Vaughan, and they're growing uh, opportunities to serve practically in each of our three sites in Vaughan and King and Bolton. So for you may say, talk to a site pastor whatever, and say, hey, yeah, I want to learn more about that. You know, one of the things I love about this passage that tells me is Jesus does not have a scarcity mentality. It's not like, hey, guys, I'm I'm either going to help these people who really need it or I'll help you, but I can't do both. (laughs) We think like that. That's not how Jesus thinks. We think, well, I'm either going to keep it or I'm going to give it away, but it can't can't be multiplied, can it? It can't go both ways. I mean, there's just math is math. Time is time. Jesus doesn't think like that. We have a scarcity mentality, but Jesus does not. And so when he invites us to trust him, we know we're trusting someone who can do something in us that we could never do for ourselves. This feels like one of those moments where we need a prayer or we need to pray for each other or we need to just talk to God. And this song actually that the band is going to lead us in is a prayer for this exact thing. It's, a, it's one of the lines in the song says, lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, your love, your compassion, even if I don't feel it, you have it. <laughs> lead me in your love to those around around me. And so whether you know it or not, just use it as a prayer today.